Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this beautiful morning, a time to gather together as your people. Lord, I pray that uh, as we continue the service this morning, uh, God, that you, uh, by your spirit, would open our minds to understand the good news of Jesus, open our hearts to receive this good news as well. Uh, God, I pray um, that you would uh, encourage us in the faith, God, that you would save souls, uh, that you would humble us, that you would shape us to be more like your son Jesus uh, together. Uh, So God, I do pray that you would have your way with us as we open up your scriptures this morning. We ask this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 3 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is God's word. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus is good news for us, displaying true faith and hope for our lives. Think about a time you put faith in something or put faith in someone and it didn't pan out the way that you had hoped. Just think about a time maybe that you had put your hope in something and maybe put some trust, some faith in somebody or something, thinking it was going to turn out a certain way and it didn't. Maybe uh, you applied for a job and, and you didn't get the job. Maybe you were hoping to get a promotion and somebody else got the promotion. Maybe you had put your trust in a person only to be let down or maybe they betrayed you. Maybe uh, that was a family relationship or a friendship or a business partner or somebody at school. Think about a time that you would put your hope and faith in someone or something and it didn't deliver. See, often if we put our hope and faith in someone or something and we're let down, It causes us to become cynical, causes us to become skeptical of hoping and trusting in someone else or something else. It causes us to view the world differently, right? Is it just me? I'm one of the most cynical people I know Uh, because when I get my feelings hurt, I'm less likely to trust somebody or less likely to try something because I'm just like, man, it's what's the use, right? So think about that time that maybe you've had broken trust or broken hopes. And this can happen in matters of spiritual faith as well. Many of us who grow up in the, in the South have some experience with church, perhaps, and it may be a good one. For others, it's maybe not a good one. Maybe you have put your hope and trust in someone or something and it didn't turn out the way you planned. Maybe you said, hey, I was part of this church and they didn't serve me the way I had thought. Or maybe I, I prayed some prayer that something would happen and it didn't happen the way I thought. Or, or I've tried to live a good moral life in such a way but I only keep uh, feeling disconnected from other people and, and, and my, my faith doesn't seem to be working. And so all of us come in here today somewhere in that spectrum. All of us come in here today thinking, wow, my faith is not working the way I'd hoped, so now I'm more skeptical of trying to progress in my faith. Or maybe I'm just kind of cynical when it comes to church. I'm a very cynical pastor. It's not necessarily healthy. <laughs> maybe even to the point that your faith becomes nearly dead. Because you say, what's the point of believing? What's the point of even trying to understand this stuff? Because it's not panning out the way I'd hoped. Now listen, that's a good place to be. 
it's a good place to be here today with your doubts, your skepticism, your cynicism, even, even some hurt and some baggage. It's good to be here today. Because what we're going to see as we open the Bible today and as we hear the story of the resurrection of Jesus, we see that not only is, is Jesus resurrected from the dead, but also what he does for us is gives us indeed a resurrected faith. We have new hope, new life, a new way of living because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And this is good news for all of us, no matter where you are in your spectrum of faith. So what I want us to do today is we're going to look again at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11 and use that to kind of springboard back into the story of the resurrection of Jesus. So first and foremost, when we talk about what true life-giving faith is, what resurrection faith is, we have to understand first and foremost that it is based on the work of Christ. Secondly, it gives us hope for living. Thirdly, it fuels us to live with action. And fourthly, it grows in understanding. So first I want us to look at this as it's based on the work of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Assurance in this passage really means a foundation. To have faith that is the assurance of things hoped for means the foundation of faith is hoping in something that maybe you've not yet seen. So we understand that the faith that we have is foundational on Jesus. Jesus is our solid truth, that we understand that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he would do, and he proves it by not only dying, but coming back to life. The resurrection of Jesus is showing us that our true faith is to be in him, in his words, in his actions, and even in his resurrection. If you look at Luke chapter 24... What we celebrate on Easter Sunday, I want to read a couple verses with you, okay? Luke 24, verses 1 through 8 says this, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. So I want you to track in the story here of what's happening. Jesus, after he had lived a perfect life as a perfect man, he for a few years had done ministry uh, in his neck of the woods and, and some of the periphery areas from where he grew up. He, he went and taught the Old Testament, how that led to who he is and what he's doing, and the big story of God restoring and redeeming his people, right, making all things new. After he taught and taught for years, after he did miracles, serving people, feeding people, healing people, he died a death on a cross to show how much God loves his people and to be the substitute for sin and brokenness. As Jesus died on a cross, he was taking away the sins of the world. 
right? He was being the ultimate sacrifice. Now, Jesus told his disciples this would happen, but he also said, it's not the end. I will be dead. Three days later, I'll come back to life, right? And so this is the story of Jesus. And here we see three days later, some of Jesus's disciples go to his tomb, go to his grave, and his body is not there. Some in that moment, I mean, you can imagine can you imagine the couple of days between Jesus' death and his resurrection? Huh? Can you imagine having been a disciple of Jesus saying, hey, I'm trying to study what you're teaching, trying to watch how you're serving, and then you die? I imagine for a couple of days there, some of the disciples were pretty doubtful. I imagine some of them had doubts. Some of them were probably a little skeptical of their faith. Some of them were probably very cynical, saying, you know, what, what, what's this mean for us? But what happens is Jesus delivers on his promise, right? Everything he said, everything he taught, everything he lived to display happens. Because look what happens here. It says, as, as some of the uh, folks go to look into the grave, they're asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you. Jesus told them this would happen. That the Son of Man would be delivered into hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise and they remembered his words. So friends, what I want us to see is that our faith is the assurance that Jesus' words are true and that his actions display this truth. And it is my hope and prayer today that we would remember the words of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, the promise that Jesus says, look, uh, I'm coming to live, die, and come back to life for you. That in Jesus you are forgiven of your sins, that you are made new, that he is making all things new, that because of Jesus, we can have a right relationship with God, the creator of the universe, that we can have a right relationship with each other, that in Jesus, we are no longer defined by guilt and shame. We are no longer defined by fear and pride. We are defined by the good news that in Christ, we are loved and accepted by God. That's good news. And that is the foundation of our faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if you're here today and your understanding of faith is uh, ambiguous, is it nebulous spirituality, my assertion to you today is that true faith is not about what you think. It's not about what you do. True faith is about a person, and his name is Jesus. And that's what I want all of us to know today. So first and foremost, faith is based on the work of Jesus Christ, not based on your resume for good or for bad, not based on your good actions or bad actions, not based on how uh, disciplined you can be in your spirituality. That's a good thing, but it can puff you up in pride if you think, well, look how spiritual I am. True faith is not based on the family you come from or the tradition you were raised in or the intellectual philosophical framework you ascribe to. All of those can be beautiful, wonderful things. But they are to point you to Jesus because true faith is in a person named Jesus. So as we pause for a moment, I want to ask you to assess what is the foundation of your faith? Is your faith founded on who you are and what you do? Is your faith founded on where you grew up or how you grew up? Is it based on how you live your life for good or for bad? And I want us all to pause and see that true faith is based on the work of Christ because he has risen as he said he would. 
And that's good news. Secondly, I want us to see this, is that true faith gives us hope. Because it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You see, faith is something, uh, if we have hope, hope is something that's both a present thing and an ongoing thing into the future. Like we, we are hoping right now, and we will continually be hoping into eternity, and that's good news. And so for us, what happens is we often think hope is an expectation based on circumstances, right? How many of you say, well, I hope my team wins in the playoffs for whatever sport you're watching. I hope I get the promotion. I hope I get a raise. I I I hope uh, if you're dating, I hope this person likes me or hope this person will... Some of you guys may have gone to prom last night. I hope this person will have fun at the prom or, or whatever it may be. I hope I get a good grade. You see, often we think hope is a, uh, an expectation based on circumstances. But I want to tell you something. Biblically, hope is not contingent on your circumstances for good or for bad. Hope is uh, a solid, tangible understanding of, of a promise that will surely be delivered, right? We can say, I hope my team wins, but you don't know if your team's going to win or not, so it's kind of an ethereal, intangible thing. Or I, I hope I get a good grade in class. I mean, you're saying, I, I studied hard, but I don't know how it's going to pan out, right? Biblical hope is a solid, sure thing based on a promise that will specifically, and yes, indeed, will be delivered. And that's good news. And so we read that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's saying that I am trusting that these promises will come true. It's, it's what Jesus' disciples understood because Jesus said, hey, I will live, die, be buried, and on the third day I'll rise again. And they remembered his words when he rose again. They remembered, wait a second, we can, we can really trust this guy. We can have hope because he is delivered on his promise. Now think about what that means for me and you today. We open the Bible. The Bible is slap full of promises from God. And, and we often approach them in doubt and say, but I, the Bible says that in Christ I'll be forgiven of sin. But man, I have, I've done some wicked, dirty things. Can God really forgive me? Or do I have to pull guilt and shame my whole life? Or, 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 or the Bible says that like, you know, God will exalt the humble and humble the exalted, right? So if you think, well, does that mean that um, I can be prideful, right, about how good I am and how religious I am and, and God will be pleased with me because of how good I am? Well, you can rest assured that God will deliver on his promise that he will humble the proud, and he will exalt the humbled, okay? And, and so we have an understanding that, yes, the Bible says God is love, that God is love. That's, that's true. That's, uh, that's good news for us. So when you open the Bible in faith that is based on the resurrection of Jesus, we have faith that gives hope and expectation that God will deliver on his promises. And we know that will be true. So as we see that faith is based on the work of Jesus, and secondly, faith gives hope, I want us to know that faith is ongoing relational trust in the promises of God. Ongoing trust that God will forgive, that God will make all things new, that you are a new creation in Christ, and that's good news. Thirdly, I want us to see this, is that true faith fuels us to action. Faith is not some intellectual checklist you ascribe to and say, well, I I have my faith, and you tuck it in your pocket, right? Faith is ongoing action. 
Right? Faith means ongoing relational trust in Jesus. This is something that will be ongoingly expressed in your life. At the beginning of chapter 11, verse 2, it says, uh, For by it, faith, for by it the people of old received their commendation. If you read the rest of chapter 11, we'll be getting into this next week, you see this list of all of these Bible heroes, people that were part of amazing things that God did. And the irony is, if you read the stories of these Bible heroes, many of them did some dumb stuff. I mean, many of them blew it. Some of them did some wicked stuff. I mean, you read the heroes of the Bible, you see that there are murderers, adulterers, liars, cheaters that God uses in this grand story. And so when you read this, you'll be like, what does that mean if these are people of faith and they're still doing wicked things? Why are they the heroes? Spoiler alert here, they're not the heroes. Jesus is the hero. That's the point of today. And that's what I want us to see is that faith fuels action because if faith is an ongoing relational trust in who Jesus is and what he's done for you, that gives us great freedom to live lives differently. If you can trust that in Christ you are forgiven from the bad things you have done or thought or try to do, if you, if, if you can be set free from the guilt and shame of your past, that gives you great freedom to live life differently, right? You're no longer living life to try to atone for the bad things in your past. Any of you struggle with that, or is it just me? I've done some pretty weird, wicked things in my day, believe it or not. A few of you know. And for years, I tried to become a religious person to make up for lost time. Let me tell you, friends, that's not the gospel. I was putting faith in my good works to make up for my bad past, thinking that would free me from guilt and shame. Guess what? It entangles you even worse. I mean, so what? You could burn your punk rock albums, right? You can cover up your tattoos with religious tattoos. You can, you know, call and try to make amends with the girls that you flirted with and broke their hearts. Not me, but people I know, right? And so you can, you can try to make amends for your bad past and you find yourself entangled in good old prideful do-goodism thinking that's going to free you from your sin and guilt. Let me tell you guys something. You will never be free from the guilt and shame of your past unless you trust Jesus. Trust that Jesus has forgiven you. Trust that because of Jesus' life, you were set free. Because of his death, you can have a right relationship with the God of the universe. You, you can pray to God, not in fear, like, God, please don't strike me down because I drank too much last night. Please don't strike me down because I watched an R-rated zombie movie, right, with crude humor in it. God, please don't be angry with me because I accidentally looked at something I shouldn't have. We, we don't have to fear God. We can say, God, I'm trusting that you're forgiving me. I'm not defined by that anymore because you have accepted me because of Jesus dying and coming back to life. That's good news. And faith fuels us to action. You see, faith is not merely conceptual, but it's practical, it's relational, it's something that you, you do, right? You, you do faith, and you don't even have to do it well. I'm going to get to that point next. You can do it very poorly, and it's a good thing. So faith is something that we do together. Faith is, is something that you prove what you trust in. 
My father, for his 60th birthday a couple months ago, decides he wants to go hang gliding, right? That's what you do when you're 60 and you have long hair and wear Birkenstocks. You say, let's go hang gliding. All right, let's go jump off a perfectly good mountain that the Lord put there. Right? So back in October, my father, he, you know, I was the one child, the one person that really wanted to go. I was kind of scared at first. I'm afraid of heights. And the last thing I want to do is be 2,000 feet in the air hanging from a kite, but it's what my dad wanted for his birthday, and it was actually really, really fun. And so you take a class, and you study the mechanics of the, of the glider. You, know how, you learn how to put it together, how to, you know, you have to put it together. I'm not good at putting up a tent. And basically what you're doing is putting together a tent in the sky. You know, it's like, this is insane. And so you piece together the thing, and you hook it in, and you make sure everything's there, and, and they give you a, a little book, and you study the book, and you watch some videos, and you spend time with some instructors. One guy's name is Thor, and he has this killer bit, beard. So if you want to go hang gliding, make sure the guy's name is Thor, and you'll be in good shape. And so we, we go to go hang gliding, and a moment comes when you're on the hill, after you've done your class, you've done your test flights, that, that you have to hook in. You're wearing a harness with a carabiner, and you hook into the glider. And that's the moment of truth. That's the moment of trust. It's not a conceptual thing in that moment that that carabiner will keep you in the sky. I mean, it's action, man. You can study the books all day long, and you can talk with the instructors, and you can say, hey, this is a great framework. I believe that this thing will fly. But until you hook in, run off the mountain, and let me tell you, it's not a one-time thing. Like, I have faith in this moment. It's for 10 minutes, you're like, I'm believing this thing is going to fly. I'm believing this thing is going to fly until you land on the ground. It's a beautiful picture of faith. Faith is ongoing action, right? Here's the good news, is that faith in Christ is not based on how well you put together the glider, it's not based on how well you jump off the hill. It's not based on how well you steer the glider. You can do it sloppily. God is the one that keeps the thing flying. Faith is a gift to you. Faith is not something we uh, rate each other's success or failures on. Right? I was raised uh, in a church culture. I'm not knocking the church at all, but I was raised in a cultural mindset where faith, I mean, you would get certificates for how well you did Christian faith. I don't, I don't really see that in the Bible. I don't think it's necessarily healthy because then faith becomes a competition where people uh, are given different uh, styles of spiritual expression. Okay, Some of you love to study and read and break down Greek words. That's fun. I like doing that kind of stuff too. Others uh, like to, to listen to music. Some like solitude and taking walks. Others like to get together for coffee and banter theology. Dude, it's cool. God has given you faith in a way to express it differently. And that's, that's so beautiful. We're not all the same. Okay? And so faith gives us, faith is based on the work of Christ Jesus, not your success or failures. Faith is, is hope. It's a, not based on your circumstances, and it's not intangible. It's a very tangible assurance of a promise that will come true. Thirdly, faith fuels to action. You, you prove your faith uh, together very practically by what you 
do with your life. If you, if you believe something is good news and you believe it to be true, you're going to tell other people about it. It's going to shape how you relate to your spouse and your coworkers. It's going to shape how you parent your children and how you interact with other Christians who may or may not be as spiritual as you or may have personalities that are different than yours. It's going to shape how you relate to people who are seekers, doubters, skeptics, and outright non-believers. So we need to have assurance that our faith is based on Christ and really giving us hope and fuels us to action. Fourth and finally, the final point is this. Faith grows in understanding. And I like this part a lot. Because verse 3 says this, By faith... We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This verse is really interesting to me because understanding often spiritual faith and and religion will, will prompt you to understand it before you trust it. Right? You say, well, I have to, have to make sure I understand all of these things before I trust and before I try to live this certain way. The gospel of Jesus is different. You don't have to fully understand everything. You, you trust, and then you ongoingly grow in your understanding and knowledge, right? It's, it's faith-seeking understanding, not understanding-seeking a rationalized faith. Although the faith is rational, right? It's progressive. It grows because the object of our faith is solid, Jesus. But our understanding of what he's done for us grows, right? I mean, how many of you, um, well, I'll just put it to you this way. If you read the Gospels, Jesus compares true faith to a mustard seed, right? And the seed is not powerful in its form, but it grows to, to be something great and powerful, right? In the same way, faith can be just a little bit. I mean, just a little faith can move a mountain. In fact, if you've heard that phrase used before, like, hey, you know, if you have faith, you can move a mountain. You know what's cool about that is when Jesus is telling his disciples that, you have to, you, have to, you know, Try, time travel back to the first century and imagine hanging out with Jesus and, and, you're, and you're, he's teaching you and as he's teaching you, you look out on the horizon and you see that King Herod is trying to build a new palace and he wants it to be on the highest mountain. But you know what? All the other mountains have stuff on it already. And so what he does is he builds his own mountain. Herod builds a hill to put his palace on so it'll be the highest point around. And so as Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, you you have to have faith that can move mountains, they're watching Herod's people build a mountain bucket by bucket, cartload by cartload. And so if you imagine what that means is that faith that moves mountains is done one bucket at a time, people. It's, it's a little bit by a little bit. Your bucket may be bigger than mine, depending on what season of life you're in. You may have some doubts that make your bucket a little small. It's still a bucket, still moving dirt. It's still progressive and growing. And over time, by golly, that mountain will be moved. And that is good news. Faith is like a seed that grows. It's like a bucket of dirt moving a mountain. It's like when you read in Mark 9, Jesus heals a little girl, right, who's sick and dying. And the father pleads to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? The father says, look, I'm trusting, but help me trust. It's a good place to be, friends. 
If you walked in here thinking you have it all together, my hope and prayer is that you will leave realizing that you don't have it all together and that's such a gift from God to you. And if you walk in today saying, Jeremy, I don't have it together, my hope and prayer is that's great. It's a great place to be. Let's trust Jesus together. Let's progress in the faith. Let's bring our doubts, our skepticism, our cynicism. Bring your anger Bring your discouragement from the church. Bring whatever, and let's trust that Jesus will do something beautiful, right? I mean, he's our only hope. He is our only hope, and that is the beauty of the resurrection, is that if Jesus can die and come back to life, he can do anything. He can handle your hurt and brokenness. He can handle your guilt and shame. He can handle your fears. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your anger. He can handle it, man. That's such good news. I don't want you to do better and try harder. I want you to look at Jesus and see how amazing he is. And that's such good news for us. And so as we see in closing that faith grows in understanding, I want you to know that your faith is not judged on how good it is. It doesn't matter how deep your faith is, how strong your faith is, how good you do or do not do your faith. What matters is where the object of your faith is. Who is the object of your faith? If your faith is in your intellect, you will fail. If your faith is in your good moral living, you will fail. If it's in your good traditional religion or spirituality, you will be a lonely, angry person. But if your faith is in a Jesus who does amazing things for the glory of the Father, for the joy of his people, and to restore all broken things, to make all things new is what Jesus says he will do, I believe he will do it. I believe he is doing it one thing at a time. Faith is not a contest. It's not a competition. It's an ongoing relational trust that we experience together as God does amazing things. Sounds great, right? That's what Easter is about. That's why Jesus lived, died, and why he was resurrected just as he said he would be. is to prove that he is making all things new and that this kind of faith is based on who he is and what he's done. This faith gives us hope. This faith fuels action. And this faith is is progressive. It grows in understanding. And that is good news. So if you're here today and you are a seeker, a doubter, a skeptic, a non-Christian, a non-spiritual person, if you were here today and you were a veteran Christian who is fifth generation, whatever, I'm so glad we are here together. I believe that God brought us here because we all need to hear this good news. We all need to be reminded of the God that seeks and saves his people, of the, of the great creator that comes to restore his broken creation. So I want to ask us all as we have a time of response, Everyone has faith in someone or something. What is that for you? And I want to ask you to consider, and repent means to turn away from something and turn to something else. I want to ask us all, if we are believing and trusting, if we have faith in anything other than Jesus, it can be good, but I want it to be Jesus. So we need to turn from whatever those things are and cling to Jesus, who has done unbelievable and beautiful things uh, for you. Uh, Let me pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for a time to gather uh, with your people. Uh, As your people, Lord, I thank you that you are a good, loving God. God, that you create things 
and redeem things and restore things that can be broken. God, I pray for everyone in this room, myself included, God. We all have a past. Some of our past may be riddled with shame and guilt. Some of our past may be riddled with uh, pride and um, uh, religious legalism. And some of our past uh, may uh, be hard and some of it may be good. But God, I pray that uh, you use all things to point us to you in an ongoing way. Lord, I pray that we would see that we are people that need to be rescued and restored and that we can't and should not even try to do that on our own. But rather, you do that for us because you are a caring, loving God. And God, I thank you that we look to the Gospels, we see Jesus who lived the perfect life that we should live, but we can't. That he died a death as a substitute, as a sacrifice, as a great high priest to be the mediator of a relationship between you as a beautiful, holy God and us as broken, imperfect people. And God, I thank you that his death was not the end, but his resurrection proved uh, that the promises you make come true. And so, God, I pray that we would cling with hope and faith to Jesus and that we would expectantly await you to deliver on your promises. God, as we wrestle with doubts and fears, I thank you that uh, your good news is, is powerful enough to deal with those things. That we can be honest with our doubts, honest with our fears, honest with our frustrations. And God, I pray that in all of that, we would not look anywhere else for comfort or success, but God, we would look to you. And that you, being the God of all comfort, would restore us with great joy. So, God, I thank you. I pray that by your spirit you would do great things for us today as we reflect on the resurrection of Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.